This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, my name is Derek Combs and I listen to the Blue Army podcast. Oh, yes, you do, Derek, mate. Yes, you do. All right, me marrows, how's it going? This is episode 27 of the Blue Army podcast. You are joining me, your host, Skelly, on today's show, which is an absolute mixed bag of amazing content. Uh, We've got my little match report stories uh, from Chorley, which happened yesterday. So Will's going to come on Zoom, so I've got somebody to tell my stories to. I was thinking about doing it Bill Burr style, if you've ever listened to the Bill Burr podcast. Bill Burr talks in a Boston accent. Sometimes he goes really quiet and talks into the microphone like this, and then he leans backwards like he's talking to someone in another room. Hey, what's he doing over there? Um, anyway, that was my Bill Burr impression, and uh, no, my Bill Burr impression wasn't the Blue Army Podcast Joke of the Week, and if you want to listen to the Blue Army Podcast Joke of the Week, well, here it is now. Is he having a laugh? I think he's trying to. It's the, the Blue, Blue Army Podcast, Podcast. Joke of the Week. Get in, get in. In, get in. Right, we're doing knock-knock jokes at the moment. We're on a bit of a knock-knock joke binge. Two knock-knock jokes every week. Here's your first one. Knock-knock. Who's there? Frank. Frank who? Frank you for being my friend. You like that one? I like that one. Knock-knock. Who's there? Cash. Cash who? No, I prefer peanuts. Here we go. Two for the price of one. Some fantastic jokes. Some great humour on today's podcast. And um, talking about great humour, actually, I've got a bit of a story to tell Wills and the rest of you lovely listeners about how I managed to get Carlisle United manager Chris Beach to speak to me for three minutes and was stupid enough to offer him a physical handshake in light of all the pandemic. But to be fair, what a man, what a guy, took the handshake with a smile on his face, walked away and uh, couldn't have thanked him more, 
Couldn't have thanked him more for his time. So yeah, that's the first time we've managed to talk to Chris Beach. I'll go into details on that. Obviously, a little bit of a match report on the Chorley game. Bit of a bit of a vlog pod kind of thing. I'll insert, insert some voice notes from the day, maybe. And uh, yeah, that'll be quite fun. But after that, we're gonna have. A Q&A with Derek Holmes. Derek Holmes obviously came back. He was on episode, I believe, 18. That's almost 10 weeks ago now. So, yeah, Derek Holmes is back to answer your questions. That's right, your questions. Now, I did record a full interview with Derek where we went into a fair bit of detail about his time before he joined Carlisle. But because I've gone to Chorley and this story is all fresh in my head, I'm going to leave that until next week and you're only going to get the Q&A part of Derek Holmes' interview this week. And next week, you'll get a bit more of a... Career walkthrough, shall we say. So you'll get to know a bit more about Derek's time over at Hearts and at Bournemouth uh, before he joined the Cumbrians, what it was like coming up, how he got found in Scotland and comparing it to his eldest boy who is at the books at Kilmarnock at the moment, doing very well for himself. So he's going to compare him coming through the ranks to how his son has been coming through the ranks at the moment. Right, we've done a bit of an intro today, haven't we? Bloody hell, is he desperate for minutes or something? No, no, no I'm not, because I've got too much content, if anything. Too much content. So without further ado, let's crack on with the show. Like I said, this is the Blue Army Podcast. Find us on all the best social media pages and give us a like and a comment please we are chasing down all the likes and comments and follows we could possibly get going into the new season because you know the bigger the better especially when it comes to a following any bloody way i'm going to crack on with the show now we're going to open with myself and wills talking about my day out at chorley how the team played and uh, then we'll move on to the Derek Holmes Q&A. Spot on. What a show. And yeah, of course, I'll let you listen to that three-minute interview that I managed to get with Chris Beach. So bloody hell, there's a lot going on today. Stop messing around, Skelly Brother. Get on with the show. I'm going to. Here we go. Wah, wah. Hello. Hello, Wills. You all right? Well, hi, hi there, Liam. How was How you getting on, mate? Um, it was good, man. It was good, actually. Have you got half an hour for me to have a crack about it? Yeah, no problem. Ah, oh, sweet, mate. Sweet, mate. I know we haven't organised that you were going to come on to the podcast and do a recording today, so sorry if I've just kind of put you on the spot there, but I'd rather talk to somebody than do a monologue, if that's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi. All right. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, I've made a couple of notes about the uh, Chorley game, but as the listeners will now know in the introduction, I was lucky enough to get three minutes with Chris Beach, uh, answering a couple of questions. There's a little bit of a story there. And uh, yes, I thought I'll just walk through my day and then eventually we'll end up on the match itself. And um, yeah, if you've got any questions about how somebody might have played or didn't play or what the formation looked like or anything like that, I'm here for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, it's it, it, it's a bit of a funny one or an unusual situation where I listened on the radio, but I don't know much about kind of how people performed. Um, like, in the past, we've always both watched it on iFollow, haven't we? So, yeah, I'll be, I'll be asking you questions. <laughs> 
Well, I did have my eye on three certain players because when I go to the football these days, because of this podcast, um, I have to sort of, in my own mindset, zero in on certain players. Not just watch the game itself, but I have to watch players off the ball as well. So I could make little side notes about that. So I think... I think I've done a good job, to be honest, Will. So I'm ready for your questions when they when they eventually get here. But I'm going to take you through my day, mate. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you through my day, almost like a vlog. Um, I brought my uh, GoPro with me. And uh, there's, there's going to be a lot of video content that eventually I'm going to have to edit, including the little conversation I had with Chris Beach uh, with my little selfie stick on my GoPro. Hopefully I managed to keep him in frame. I think I did, but well, <laughs> yeah. So we arrived at Chorley at uh, quarter to five and it was pubs galore, my friend. The sunshine was out and all the beer gardens were empty for some bloody reason. So we filled them up, did the Carlisle fans. It was uh, very quickly... Carlisle started to flood the little town of Chorley. Very, very good hosts. Very good hosts. All bar service was absolutely fantastic. Finding the stadium wasn't very easy, unfortunately. It was hidden behind a primary school. And so at first glance, you would have thought that the stadium was just the playing fields for the primary school, maybe. Like maybe just the playground area. But once you... I guess it was a small stadium. Well, no, once you went round the corner and walked through a cul-de-sac, it literally said cul-de-sac, so I would have assumed that if it's a cul-de-sac, you wouldn't have been able to go through it, but you could drive straight through the so-called cul-de-sac, and that was actually the entrance for Chorley Town Football Club, and it was a lot bigger than what I thought it was going to be. The entrance was just like, a, like past the gates was a car park, and then when you got past the car park, the stadium was beyond that. So it wasn't the stadium that we were looking at. We were looking at the, the training pitch or something like that, or some youth facility perhaps, but it wasn't the actual stadium. The stadium was nice. I've, I've On Instagram, I've taken a lots of pictures of the stadium. Uh, right, down to the brass tacks. How much was the booze? Well, two pints of San Miguel and a cider was £11 at the Chorley Bar. I think that's a good, that's a good service. That's a, that's a nice yeah, yeah, price. Yeah. But the real bargain, my friend, the real bargain was the food. All right. One yeah. pound for curry and uh, curry sauce and chips. And these chips were huge, mate. Bigger than your fingers. Huge. Huge blocky potatoes there. So it was when I went for food, that's when I realised the where the touchline was. And that's the first time I got my eyes on Chris Beach in the flesh. Um, yeah. It's about 20 yards away from me. And I was like, all right, okay, that's the technical area. I'll leave them to it. This is about six o'clock. So we got there nice and early, kickoffs at half seven. The reason we get there quite early is because I prefer to try and spend my money in the club rather than in the pub. So if I yeah. can spend money on booze in the stadium, I'm going to do it in the stadium rather than doing it in the local pub. But yeah, that's the first time I saw Chris Beach. And I thought, mm, my confidence wasn't very high. I'll take my chips on a little lap of honour around Chorley Stadium. So I did that with my GoPro in tow, uh, thinking this will make a fun montage if I just speed it up. Yeah. It'll just be like running around the pitch and everyone will get a really good view of the stadium. Now, as I was doing that, I was approached by a steward and the steward offered uh, me the opportunity to go into the press box. And uh, he basically just says, are you press? Would you like to go into the press box? And I said, um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you 
you? You're not going to say no, are you? You're not going to say no. I had two friends in tow, and obviously they weren't necessarily invited into the press box. But I thought, well, it's going to be an experience. I don't think I'm going to watch the game from here or anything like that, but it'd be a good yeah. chance for me to rub shoulders with uh, James Phillips, for example, and perhaps Chris Lumpston. When I got up to the press box, I was sorely disappointed. <laughs> probably probably on holidays. We, we know how Lummy loves his nice long holly bobs. <laughs> That's the one. That's the one. Well, I thought I would have been lucky enough to uh, maybe have got to meet Mark Boyd. Maybe he would have been doing yeah. the, uh, the cover commentary, but he was probably busy doing something else. Um, doing the training school if Lummy's still on holiday to be honest because someone has to look after the training school you've all got that to look forward to by the way the Mark Boyd interview that'll be out in a couple of weeks but sorry I'll try and stay on the ball sorry I'll try and stay on the ball so <laughs> I want to make a side note as well about the steward when I got talking to the steward yeah I went up into the press box uh, yeah. James Phillips wasn't there Chris Lumsden wasn't there my friends aren't there you can't get down to the technical area from up there. So it was nice to be there for a couple of minutes, but I got off, you know, that was enough for me. Experienced it. That'll do me. Um, got talking to the steward. Now the steward was just sort of asking how far have you came from that sort of thing. And then he started talking about the Morecambe fans that were there a couple of days previously. Now Morecambe had a bit of a torrid time at Chorley and he ended up losing by one goal to nil and apparently the fans were not happy there was a number of fans that tried to invade the pitch during a pre-season friendly yeah. at Chorley oh maybe they were celebrating promotion that they hadn't had a chance to I don't know <laughs> <laughs> well the steward said they were fuming there were lots of aggro and uh, when I saw the steward again at half time um he, uh, he said the Carlisle fans, obviously, by comparison, were, were obviously behaving much, much nicer. Um, and to which I responded, well, it's a lot nicer when you're winning a game. So, yeah, that happened. And then my confidence was quite high all of a sudden. And Chris Beach hadn't moved an inch. So I took my opportunity. I shouted, Chris, Chris, <laughs> do you have a minute to have a word with me? Because I didn't know how to phrase it. I didn't know what to say. And he was he went, what? Because he couldn't hear me. The tannoys were on. They were playing music. And I said, Chris, do you have a, do you have, can I have a word, please? Which probably sounded really sinister. Then um, he said, I can't hear you. And he came over. And he was like, I still can't hear you. And I was like, oh, OK. So eventually, we're face to face. And I says, I introduced myself. I says, hello, Chris. My name's Skelly. I'm from the Blue Army podcast you've probably never heard of me but all I want to do mate if it's okay with you is ask you one or two questions and just take up two or three minutes of your time and he was like what kind of thing do you want to ask me and I says I just want to ask you uh, what you're going to get out of today's game and maybe talk a little bit about the new signing that we've made today Lucas Jensen for people out there that still haven't heard Carlisle made a new signing and I'll go on to talk about Lucas a little bit as well at that moment his eyes sort of widened and he said, hang on a minute. Am I allowed to talk to you? <laughs> and I wasn't sure what to say. So I said, yes, I think so. I, I, I don't believe I've been blacklisted by anything. I don't, I don't think I've done anything to offend anybody. But by all means, if you've got to make some phone calls, check it out. You know, sniffing around for a scoop. 
That's it. That's it. So he did actually, he went away on the phone. He tried to make a phone call and the person didn't pick up the phone at first. And he said, just give me a couple of minutes, friend. And I was like, oh, okay, thanks very much. So he walked off down the technical area. And I think this was my saving grace, mate. This was my saving grace. About half an hour earlier, a coach, and I, I wish I knew his name, mate, but I don't. It might have been a physio. He was wearing Carlisle training gear. It wasn't Gav Skelton. Did you have um, his uh, initials? It didn't. There was another coach who was very nice as well with JR as his initials. And he was a lovely man. I got talking to him for a little bit. He was a lovely man. Mm. All the staff were thanking uh, yeah. the supporters for coming. You know what I mean? As they were walking I around the ground and stuff like that. Dan Hanford. Hasn't he Dan Hanford's back as goalkeeper coach? I don't think it was Dan Hanford. No, it was a bit rounder. <laughs> sorry mate sorry you were really nice sorry oh dear but yeah this this gentleman just sort of as he was walking past me and I, at the time I think I was posting some pictures on Instagram and my friends went to the bathroom and blah 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 but as he was walking past me he went thanks very much for coming to support the club and I said the pleasure is absolutely all mine and he just carried on his merry way and he went to sit down in the sort of technical area near Chris Beach. Anyway, back to the Chris Beach story. I think that interaction, because he looked over and he saw me. And because I was polite with him and he was polite with me, I think he gave Chris Beach the old, go on, just give him three minutes, don't be an arsehole, kind of elbow. Because nobody was picking up the phone. And then Chris Beach just came back over and he was like, yeah, go on then, lad, let's have a crack at it. And boom, there we go. I got my three minutes and um, I'm going to insert those three minutes now. Lovely. All right, so I am joined by Carlisle United manager, Chris Beach, and I'm just going to ask him one or two questions. So thanks very much for joining us today, Chris. No worries. Okay, so um, we're at Chorley. It's a beautiful day. What are we looking to get out of today? Well, hopefully some good uh, fitness, some good football. Uh, it's tough because it is hot, mm -hmm. but uh, the lads completed 90 minutes on Saturday, all of them, which was good at Heaven and Workington, so be to see how they recover and get back at it. <laughs> so Jensen's in the squad today, that's going to be his first time playing for Carlisle, how's he feeling? Lucas is a good lad, I've, uh, he's, he's trained with us a few times actually, but <clears throat> obviously we've announced it today. So yeah, he's going to uh, get thrown straight into the game tonight, so hopefully he'll do well, but uh, He'll get to know the lads and the lads' names uh, very quickly. But uh, no, it's important that uh, he gets playing and him and Magnus uh, have a good go at it this season. Well, I'm really looking forward to seeing Magnus play, to be honest, because I am a big fan of the, the young man from Fulham. And um, what's the idea we're bringing in Jensen at the moment? Is it uh, a number one, a number two? Are you going to find out? Is it, is it a bit of a trial and error? Do we know who the number one is now? Well, I, I always say this to every player, never mind a goalkeeper, that players pick teams. People think managers do, but players' performances, how they train, how they go about what they're trying to achieve, how they represent themselves, the club, and the families when they go about what they do on the pitch, that picks teams. So uh, it'd be interesting to see. But we've got two really good goalkeepers, two physical, uh, big. And Magnus was excellent, wasn't he, when he played for us last year? Absolutely. Cheltenham's outstanding performance at Cheltenham. So uh, yeah, it gave me great confidence to. Uh, definitely let Magnus have a goal um, but of course he needs support within that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, Jensen's experience coming from uh, a big setup mm -hmm. over at Burnley we're assuming that his training is going to be very good we've also got two youth goalkeepers that have just signed contracts soon recently and Breeze is uh, exciting a lot of Carlisle players what can you tell us about Breeze well he's he's, he's obviously local but so is Scott you know he's, he's from Barrowway so they're both Cumbrian um, they're excellent lads really good lads from good families 
but I do know that uh, if they were to, and you know, sometimes you get you guesstimate and think about and overthink things to make decisions, and often the right fit becomes through opportunity. But them two have definitely got a big future, but they have to work very hard to make sure it's it's them who it is their future. So uh, they're in that position right now, and I think they're enjoying and ch being challenged on just the daily aspects of being involved with the pros, speed of shot, angle, uh, the demand, the discipline, the distribution, the speed, you know, the acceptance of what is acceptable or not. It goes up many levels just from that bridge of youth to first team football, and they're getting to grips with it right now. Chris, thank you very much for talking no to me, mate. I want to take another moment of your time. All right, thanks thank for you. that. Take care. Very COVID, he wasn't. Sorry about that. Yeah, I wasn't sure what to do then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. I know. How embarrassing was that at the end? Uh, at, at, at that point, do you think he got on to Andy Hall and was like, is this you set us up with? I don't know. He kind of he, he he did look back over his shoulder a little bit. He might have given me a skiffy with the eye. Like I don't know. I hope, I'm going to try again. I'm going to try again at Lancaster. So I'm, I think he's going to probably remember who I am. I am a quite ugly looking fella with a with a and I'll wear pretty much the same clothes. So hopefully he'll remember who I am. And um, yeah, after the little conversation we had, and uh, he walked away. And I stopped recording. He actually quickly sort of came back over and he says, do you know Andy? And I says, no, I don't know Andy. And, it was, <laughs> and then he said a bit of a backhanded compliment, which was, uh, well, you know, if you want to be a bit more professional about it, you should probably get in touch with Andy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, you didn't plan to do any of that. It just happened. So It was, it was a confidence saw that saw me just, just take a chance. Yeah. I so just took he, a chance. Blagged your way in. <laughs> so somehow blagged my way in, and I was did in the be, right areas. Just naturally able to just blag. I was lucky. I was try. lucky, and um, <laughs> I did try and get a conversation with Callum Guy towards uh, at the end of the game, but unfortunately, he had to go and do his warm down. I think if I asked for just a picture or him to sign something, he would have been over and he would have done that no problem. But because it, I, I told him it was going to be two or three minutes, he was like, I have to do the warm down, mate, sorry. Mm. And to be fair, if I waited around until after the warm down, he, he might have came and spoke to me. But unfortunately, I didn't get to speak to Callum Guy on that day. I'm going to try again next week at Lancaster, though. But I don't want that to be any kind of criticism of his character. He's a busy man and he was at work. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the game itself, mate. I'll go on to talk about the game itself. We had a, obviously, we had a great day out. Uh, I brought two people with me that aren't Carlisle United fans, that officially now are Carlisle United fans. Uh, I've got them both on tape saying that. But yeah, amazing to talk to Chris Beach on the day. Thank you very much for your time, Chris. If you, if you ever get round to listening to this, that was, that was a great experience for me. My focus was not only on what you were saying, but stopping my hand from shaking while I was holding my phone to record what you were saying. It was a nervy moment, yeah. you know, nervy moment. But onto the game, onto the game. Carlisle's starting lineup was very, very, very strong. Um, it could possibly be the starting lineup that plays against Colchester on the starting game of the season. Mm. We had Lucas Jensen in nets, recently just signed on loan. He has been training with the team for a couple of days. You just heard there, Chris Beach mentioned that in the clip. Jack Armour, Rod McDonald, Aaron Hayden and Corey Whelan were all at the back. And this is the confusing bit, to be honest, mate, because I think, I honestly think, during the game, it was Joe Riley, Callum Guy and Lewis Alessandra. 
that played in the midfield, like Alessandra playing the cam role, Zach Clough was definitely the central striker in yeah. the first half, with Dixon playing out left and Tristan Abrahams playing out right. Now, that's a very strong starting lineup for a preseason friendly, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, this is the sort of stuff where you can kind of like help me a bit because, um, so I was listening on Radio Cumbria. Mm. Uh, they had a couple of a couple of commentators who don't normally cover Carlisle. I think they were, I think they were, um, what's, you know, I think they were Lancaster based. I think one of them was Brett Ormerod, but I'm No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't remember. They were definitely both Lancaster based. Not Lancaster, Lancashire based, and um, it sounded like they may be commentated normally on higher level football. Yeah, so a couple of things they uh, didn't really know what players' positions were when John Mellish came on. They knew he was there. They knew he was our top scorer from last season, but then presumed that he must be a forward and be like, "Oh well, going off the forwards that we've seen on display in the first half, he might struggle to get into the squad," but. Obviously, we know he's a midfielder. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so there was no indication listening to the commentary that Alessandra started, was playing as a midfielder. Well, that's how you no, saw I, That's how I saw it. That's how I saw it. Um, on, on, on the pitch, that's the, it was very clear to see Zach Clough was always the furthest forward player. And, uh, yeah, Alessandra was very much... I, I think they've got a free role between the two of them, perhaps, the way they can swap and change when they wanted to. But... For the first half, Corey sat high up the pitch for the most part. And um, once the two goals went in, to be honest, everybody just sort of put the foot off the gas. I think they knew that the starting eleven was going to be playing 60, 70 minutes today. And they played it out like a, almost like a league fixture. If you went 2-0 up in the first half, they... You know, they, they they held the ball well. They weren't not attacking, but they yeah. did take the foot off the gap. They knew who they were playing against. It was it did become a bit more of a fitness test. Uh, Wheeling playing at right Brett back. Omerod. It was Brett Omerod, was it? It was Brett Omerod. <laughs> oh, he must have had some good insight, though. It couldn't have all been bad. He had some good stories, yeah, yeah. The stories about higher level and um, Chris Stott. And so I think Brett used to play for Burnley. So because mm. um, Luke, Luke Jensen is has come on loan from Burnley, talking about his time at Burnley. He thought maybe he was related to Brian Jensen because he used to play for Burnley, found out he wasn't. And also, you know, had a little bit of a, a little bit of stories about about coming up against Sean Dash. Ah, right. Well, it's, it's a zero in on Lucas Jensen. He's effing huge, mate. He <laughs> is massive. He's gonna claim everything that comes towards him. He looked confident. Uh, it didn't look like he was going to make, make any mistakes on the day. Comes from a very good training setup, training alongside the likes of uh, Pope over at Burnley. Uh, so, yeah, is a top quality young person coming into the squad. Like uh, Chris Beach mentioned in our three-minute little clip there, it's going to be a fight between Norman and Jensen to see who's going to be starting the league campaign. But I don't think you're going to bring a player in on a season-long loan from a high-up team and not be able to play him. I think Burnley are going to be putting the pressure on us to play him. And he looks good enough to justify it. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you never want to see 
um, Premier League teams loading out players and then kind of having stipulations that they have to play. Because, hmm. you know, once the season starts, he may or may not be on the better form of the two keepers. So, you know, obviously we want to be able to play whichever keeper is is, is the better one. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you kind of said to me a little bit last night about how impressed you were with him. Um, Brett Omerod and Chris Stott were both impressed by him. Hmm. Um, her, they did comment on like a save that he pulled off being like a particularly good save you know based on that you can kind of see that there's there's gonna be a bit of a bit of battle between the two keepers he looked comfortable he looked uh, high on confidence and he looked comfortable he collected everything uh pretty much that came into his box the corners uh, set piece wise i think there was a cross maybe that that fell to his back post but i think it was way too far out for him to get that ended up getting fired back across the goal, yeah, one really good save, but the rest of them not amazing attempts on goal. Uh, just a good day out for him, a good debut for him, you'd have yeah. to say. Uh, the goals themselves, now, I've not seen a team warm up in the same way that Carlisle warmed up for the last sort of two minutes before they went into the tunnel. They were actually doing attacking positions. They were They were moving the ball around from the halfway line passing it round the midfield, knocking it along and then working it into the box and then putting the ball across the box. And, you know, Abrahams was there to knock it in or Dickinson was there to knock it in or Clough was there to knock it in. But they were practising their attacking movement, which you don't normally see a lot in pre-game warm-ups. You normally just see, uh, you know, running around in circles, taking a couple of shots, a bit of cone work, a bit of dribbling, that kind of thing. Um, But it was definitely positional football. And the two goals were from those routines, you know. Uh, it was very well worked in to the box. It was put across the sort of six-yard line. And uh, the first goal was good. The second goal was pretty soft. Uh, sometimes they go in in League Two. Sometimes they don't go in in League Two. I think if we had better opposition, I don't know if the second goal would have came about. Maybe a better keeper would have claimed it. All good signs. Two more goals for the new signings. And uh, you've got to be happy with that, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the, the the goal was um, was given to Clough. It sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they it, they initially thought it was Alessandra. Yeah. So so uh, you know what was that one like? It was a scrappy one. It was a scrappy yeah. one. It was sort of like a Alessandra. No, Dickinson was on the left hand side. By the way, side note: Brennan Dickinson potentially the best left-sided, left-footed player in League Two, potentially, as an attacking okay. player, potentially. Um, but Brennan Dickinson worked tirelessly on the left, zigzag, zigzag, in, out, in, out, round his man. He looked like he was going to work it into his shot, but he didn't shoot with his right foot. Instead, dinked a little ball with his left foot into the path of Alessandra, who looked like he was going to open up for a shot. And I think he did. I think he had a shot. But there was no power really in the shot, and Zach Clough yeah. just sort of like helped it on its way with a bit of a tour poke um, around sure. the penalty area, <laughs> around the six-yard box kind of thing. He made sure, yeah, he made sure. It, I don't know if it would have got past the keeper, but like I said, a better keeper might have commanded his area a bit better and not allowed Zach Clough to get to the ball before he did. But yeah, I think Alessandro might have just fluffed it a little bit, you know, kick the top of the ball sort of thing and it was just sort of had a momentous roll and then Zach just sort of like toe poked it and made, made sure made sure it was definitely yeah. going in. 
Um, but it was a good move. It was just a little bit soft. And against a better defence, a more organised defence, it might not have been a goal. OK. Yeah, Corey yeah. Whelan played right back in this game. George Tanner sat on the bench. And um, I think we've spoken about Whelan a little bit before. We spoke about him when he came in on his transfer. I don't think he looks any better as a right back than he does at a centre-back. Did he play as a centre-back in previous friendlies? I don't know if he's played at a centre-back for Carlisle yet, but I know in, in, his, in, his game, in, in previous games for the clubs, he's, yeah. he's been more known to be a centre-back. I guess we may be looking at... Um... You know who can play right back because other than Tanner, we don't have anyone in the squad who is a out and out right back, which mm. is fine because we probably can't afford to have two out and out right backs in the squad. So mm. it's just deciding who's best out of put Hayden there, but then you're losing him at centre back. Um, yeah. Devine can play there, Riley can play there, and maybe he's just having a look and seeing can Whelan play there. And maybe he's decided based on what you've seen, maybe not. Um, Brett Omerod was, was quite impressed by by Whelan, it seems. Okay, good. Uh, um, Brett Omerod might not have known what position he was playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I just. I just think, like, during the warm-up and stuff, Whelan, Whelan looks very fresh. He still looks like he's on his best behaviour. You know where you can see players yeah. that, are, that are very much, like, they're focused on the game, they're on tender hooks the whole time, they're, they're, yeah. uh, their eyes are wide open. So during the warm-up and stuff, I noticed that he was very, you know, susceptible. He was very... He looked nervous. He looked nervous. Um, yeah. And I don't think that's going to stand somebody in good stead going into an actual professional game. I am a little bit worried about him. I would love to be proven wrong. I hope I do get proven wrong, but the way that it is right now, buddy, and after watching him play, even though it might have been out of position, donkey. Well, I mean, are we assuming that that, that all the players that started were at least kind of like in the running to start against Colchester, because obviously Mellish didn't start, Tanner didn't start. Maybe they were picking up, uh, or maybe they had slight knocks off fitness worries, or maybe Chris Beach just had something specific that he wanted to look at. Like if he did want to look and see what Whelan was like, I don't know. Because um, if I was to kind of guess at what the starting lineup would be on the opening day, um, I think I think Tanner would be in it. I would hope and so. I think I think Mellisha would be in it. I don't uh, know. So we had did so, so I mean we had um a Callum Guy and Joe Riley playing in the in a midfield three yesterday. So was Alessandra basically the other one of the three? I believe so, yeah. But also in, in, in almost like a free roam sort of position. So right Riley and Guy were very much rooted. To the half, you know, what I mean, to, to yeah. the middle of the pitch. They were very much rooted to the middle of the pitch. And Alessandra yeah. was coming left, going right, going deep, going far, like yeah. linking up with Clough and stuff. So it looks like he's got a bit of freedom. And, and between Riley and, and Guy, they're gonna they're gonna be pinging the balls up, I guess. Yeah, Dickinson and Abraham's either side of Clough. Yes, yes. Uh, Dickinson looked really yeah. good. Tristan Abraham's yeah. looked fine. You know, preseason. Yeah. It's potentially, it's potentially kind of like a so like a four three one three, no four three one two. Oh no, yeah, four two one three. 
Four, yeah. two, three, one. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like we're trying to remember your password now. <laughs> None of those are my password or PIN number, so I don't want anyone coming up to me and knocking me out for me debit card at the Lancaster game. <laughs> no, I don't think that'll be happening. I don't think that'll be happening. Well, I am being, I will be at the Lancaster game. Are you, are you thinking you come in now? Yeah, I'll put it in my diary. Um, so, um, a few little side notes on certain players during the game. I would like to have seen Tristan Abrahams try and take on a player. I think that's important. I think he should be trying to get beyond defenders and wasn't necessarily good running at defenders or maybe just didn't have the opportunity to do it. Maybe the style of play that is being asked to play is knock it wide, knock it wide, get in the box, knock it wide, get in the box. And maybe that's what he's being asked to do. So I don't want to go in too heavy on Tristan, but it would be nice to see him try and take somebody on, especially when you're against lower league opposition. Uh, it makes yeah. it a bit more interesting for the fans. The way Brennan was doing it on the other side of the pitch was you know, evident that he was up for it and he was taking players on and he was trying to go around players. Charlie, by the way, they were up for it. They were up for it. They had a couple of cracks and there was a couple of tackles that, that, that went in, a couple of kicks, a couple of shin kicks. So, yeah, good test. Really good test. Yeah. So Charlie gave Carlisle a good test. And um, after the whole squad played 90 minutes a couple of days previous against Workington and Hebentown, this game may potentially just be a bit of a slow one. And it was in the end. Uh, we got the two goals after about 14 minutes and then they just sort of took the foot off the gas and enjoyed the rest of the day. Charlie were attacking a little bit, so it probably helped our defence coming up against yeah. something, considering they've yeah. only been up against the likes of uh, Penrith at the moment, where the, where the winning game's 8-0. Like yeah, so I mean, it did sound like Charlie gave, you know, gave the defence a bit more to... To do because I do. Um, I've got another friend who did go to. He went to one of the. I think he went to the Heaven game, hmm. and uh, I think he also went to the Penrith game. And I think it was like um, um, the goalkeeper, and you know we had that trialist goalkeeper who uh, presumably has moved on. Um, yeah, say like so. he, he barely even touched the ball. He had nothing to do. You couldn't judge him. Nah. But listening to yeah, listen, especially in like second half, listening to Radio Cumbria, they did kind of like uh, uh, bring up the um, the um, Lucas Jensen pulled off a decent save when called upon. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, there, there was a couple of saves. Uh, one in particular, I think it was down to his bottom right, which he which he just sort of helped round the post that was quite impressive he's a big man reminds you of Donnarumma well it does me anyway because we've had to bloody watch that final last week but anyway moving away from that really good results really good game really good test for the side positive signs going into next season and next week me and Wills will both be watching the game which will give us both ammunition of things to talk about and it won't just be me sort of like ranting at will. So, Will, mate, thank you very much for joining me. I, I know that I got you uh, okay. sort of off the ball a little bit, but uh, your, your crack's been fantastic, as always. Excellent. I'll go back and sit in the car with the aircon on now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like a hell of a plan, buddy. That sounds like a hell of a plan. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I've got time to do that for an hour and then come back in and get something actually done. Ah, <laughs> oh, bloody hell, you've got things to do today. 
always things to do. There's always <laughs> things to do. There's always things to do. Right, on that note, I'll let you get on with those things to do. Thank you very much for joining me on the Blue Army podcast once again, Wills. Thanks for having me on at short notice. <laughs> Thank you for coming on in short notice. <laughs> and um, I will talk Don't to you again. Have a habit on it. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. I won't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I won't. But I'm going to see you this time next week in Lancaster, face to yeah. in face for the first time in nearly a bloody year. And mm. um, it might get emotional. It might get emotional. And I'll bring the GoPro. Uh, yeah, I'll bring the GoPro. And uh, people, check out the YouTube channel. Uh, if you want to watch any of the uh, the clips that I've got on there, I'm sure I'll get around to editing that on like Friday or something. So by the weekend, you'll be able to watch what happened at Chorley on my GoPro and, and that kind of thing. But yeah, thanks very much, Wills. I'll see you later, mate. See ya, thanks. Oh, right then, me marriage. You've reached the halfway point of today's podcast. And now it's time for the Derek Holmes Q&A. Now you might think, it sounds a bit weird the way I just sort of like jump straight into the Q&A questions. And that's because we've actually got a full hour and 15 minutes with Derek Holmes last time we recorded. But because of what happened at Chorley, getting the chance to talk to Chris Beach, I wanted to put all that content out so it was nice and fresh. So what I've done is that I've edited the interview that I did with Derek Holmes. And uh, you're just going to get the Q&A. And then next week, you guys will get all of the, um, the story of Derek Holmes' career, shall we say. You'll get more of the how he got discovered, what it was like going through Hearts, playing in the European Super League, playing at Bournemouth for over 100 games. So, yeah. We're going to have all that to listen to next week. But this week, we're only going to have the Q&A from Derek Holmes. And uh, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I'm milking it. So uh, yeah, enjoy it anyway. Uh, this is Derek Holmes answering your questions. Thank you very much. Top, top player. Yeah. Um, obviously, after your time at Bournemouth, you made the switch to Carlisle, and we've covered quite a lot of that stuff in the in the first interview that we did together. And thank you very much for your time on that one. So I don't want to repeat anything we've already been over. I'm going to pass over to the listeners who have sent us in a couple of questions. And this is a question from Eric Barton. Eric Barton wanted to ask: When you moved to Carlisle in the January of 2005, that was around the same times the city was affected by a huge flood that devastated the town. Did that in any way affect your transfer? Did you maybe have a house that you were going to move into that got ruined and things got delayed, or because the Brunton Park offices were ruined, things got slowed down? And did you think maybe it might get in the way of the deal? No, I don't. I think my time of coming, I think the kind of major part of the floodings were kind of over with. Because I can mind travelling up on a Wednesday morning and everything was kind of away. I can mind signing in the porter cabins that were on the left-hand side. The dressing rooms and that were, were kind of, weren't finished. But it was, it was just a working progress, let's say. And the pitch was horrendous. Mm. You know, and the pitch was just horrendous. But no, I never, I never ever. Uh, when I can, uh, I stayed in the hotel for three weeks, or three, three or four weeks. When I, when I, when I first came up, I stayed in the hotel for four weeks. So I hadn't decided 
where I was going to stay or anything. So uh, it was because I don't know if I touched on this the last time. It was such a such a quick quick transfer. As I say, I can always mind playing in the FA Cup and then maybe just after I was talking to Simo and then it just happened also quickly. Maybe a week later I, I was up there and I'd signed, met Fred and you know, you know what football's like the next day you're in training and then that's you. You're part of the new club and you're training and the, the rest is history. Our Fred Story is a little bit of a, a local legend around here and um, it, for the club he did wonders. He, he really put some investment behind the team and, and behind the infrastructure of the whole place. How involved, uh, how many times would you see him on, on, on the weekly basis? Was it just sort of like walking past in the hallway? How, how much was Fred actually around the club? Thinking back on a day-to-day basis, very, very rarely you would okay. see him. Very really on match days you would see him every, every Saturday. You mm-hmm. would see him, but no, Fred, as you say, a local legend at the time. <clears throat> he done he done absolutely magnificent for the club, and you can't take it for 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 what he done. You know, he, especially in my time there, he kind of a lot of people say he put his money where his mouth was. He put a lot of finance back into the club, the community. And, you know, I think in the end, he got his, his just rewards. We got promotion in the end. It was a bit for you guys as well as us. It was a bit nerve-wracking, as you mean. The semi-finals was probably more nerve-wracking. I actually <laughs> watched it. I, I've actually watched the rerun it again. And it's brilliant. You can't actually... You can't actually... It's like a film. It's like, honestly... When you see, like when you're obviously the game that night, you don't expect that game, and then you watch the penalties. You think, how did that ever, how did that ever happen? You know, there's there was Stephen. They've got what two chances to, to go through, and Marty saves the two penalties, and ach, it's just a fairy tale. And as you say, but Fred was, if anyone deserved the success at the club for what they'd put into the club, was you would you you would say it was him. Yeah, brilliant man, brilliant man. Um, James Walker wanted to know, what was the best experience, either winning promotion via the playoffs or winning promotion as champions? Oh, winning the, the two different experiences, but you would say winning as champions. For one, you never, I, I don't know, you can maybe, or the people you speak to, no one ever, ever thought that was going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but we had a very, very good side, and we had a very good uh, togetherness. You know, we were all mates. We were all like we we're just right to, down the earth guys. You know, it was such a good dressing room, and I know a lot of people will say that, regardless of every club, because every dressing room has its has its benefits and everybody gets on me but the dressing room at Carlisle was was unbelievable you know we'd get in the morning we'd have a laugh we'd go and play t- uh, we'd go and play head tennis together boys would go to the gym we would just hang about and it was such it was it was good and as the season went on there was always that kind of belief where 
could come, it could come. And then obviously, I think it was the Mansfield, was it the Mansfield game? We went down there and we took an unbelievable support. And then obviously, I think we we messed it up a wee bit. I think it was Torquay at home. We lost 3 nothing. Then we went to Rochdale <laughs> on a Tuesday night. And uh, we managed, I think we drew, didn't I think I think we drew, but no, I would, if, if you go see and win the championship, because it's, it's a, I think it's, it was 36 games, it's a 36, 38 game season, and you've got to go and keep going and keep going and keep going. But I know you've got to do that and then do the playoffs. The playoffs, well, especially our playoffs, was very dramatic. It was, it was, it was a bit surreal. You could never script it. But I would always say the winning the championship was better yeah. for me. I don't know what you would say. What, what would you say? Would you say? I mean, as a fan, the championship, or, or as a fan, would you, do you like the drama and the, the highs and the lows, the emotions going through the playoffs? But it's different in retrospect. It really is different in retrospect because looking back, you love the playoffs more, but in the moment, it's winning the title that matters more, like being the top of the league matters more at the time. But looking back, it's all about the memories. So, it, yeah, it has to be the playoff. Well, you, you guys will have different memories to, to like some myself because as fans of the club, you're going, I mean, especially the playoff days, you'll wake up, you'll be buzzing, you'll be travelling down, it'll be... Everyone will be such a, a roller coaster. Yeah. The likes of myself, us, we're in a hotel, we're waking up, we're going for a walk, mind on the game. It's it's totally different until that final whistle is blown. I suppose it's the same with fans as well, I suppose, but like so, until that final whistle is blown and then you win, it's, it sinks in then, it sinks in. I mean, you don't, you don't celebrate as much when you score as what you guys would do. <laughs> you just it's like a job to us you know we like job with user you're sitting you're shouting at us you're slagging us then you're loving us then you're hating us and then it, you go through every emotion you know in 90 minutes and I don't think folk realise that players we just have to focus and go on with the job in hand as I always say to people I mean if somebody asked me a question I can always mind years ago the millennium we lost when we played Swansea I think it was sixty thousand there or something in, in the in the I think it was Johnson Paints in the Lineham Stadium. And as I played, you can hear the manager shouting from one end of the pitch to the other. You can hear him shouting, you can hear his words, you can hear players shouting at you, although sometimes you don't want to hear certain players shouting. Uh, <laughs> but you can hear everything. So I can, I can see different types of emotions. <laughs> I've got another uh, listener question here for you, mate. This one's from Philip Hogg. He wants to know, with yourself playing up front, what other four players would you put in your Carlisle United 2006 era five-a-side team? I'm playing myself. Yeah, yeah, you've got to play yourself. This, that, that was in the question. That's what Philip said. <laughs> got another. How many players did you say there are five? Yeah, you've got four. If you're playing and we're four. playing five-a-side, yeah, you've got four. four. I've got to have a goalkeeper, haven't I? So I've got to have a goalkeeper. So mm. I like we had two one. great goalkeepers, Demi. We had two uh, great goalkeepers with Westy and we had uh, Matty. You know, and Westy, for obvious reasons, Westy was involved in the championship season, wasn't he? And Matty, see, Matty, virtually, Matty did get us to the playoffs final. Oh, that's a hard one. I'll come back. <laughs> I'll go for Westy because he was younger. Okay. 
Gary Rashford's in goal. Then I would have Kev Gray in there because there's no much getting past Big Kev, is there? No chance. So there's one. So I'll owe you two more players. <laughs> right, I'm going to go oof, bit of creativity. You've got to have a wee bit of magic in there. So I'm going to, I'm going to, got to have a midfielder. I'm going to put Bridgie in there just, just behind myself. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to put Carol Holly in there. Oh, why is that? Why that, did you pick him over Bridges? The low bridge you could finish. Carol was an unbelievable finisher. The hitman. Yeah. Unbelievable finisher. Yeah, was. Yeah. She'd probably take myself out and put Bridgie in. You know, <laughs> still got room. go on. You still got room for one more. I've only got one more. Have I've got one more? That's it. That's it. With yourself, yeah. You've only and got one and more. And if I put Bridge in it, it's, it's all out attack. Big Kev could be struggling a wee bit. He's going to outscore your opponents. <laughs> yeah, we're just all out attack, aren't we? So yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to put Lomi in there. Lomi, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I'd no put Lomi in there because. He's got a wee bit about him, and yeah, he's he's just. Lummy was actually an all rounder. Wasn't the fastest in the world, but he could. Uh, he's he did a wee did a wee bit of everything. So, mm, goalie, yeah, yeah, I'm, goalie I'm Westwood. Yeah, I would go with Westy, Big Kev, yeah. Lummy, yeah. Carol, and myself. I think that's a formidable side. I'd like to see that in the Masters League. That'd be good. <laughs> well, if it ever comes around, then we're, we're available for selection. <laughs> I'll be on the blower. <laughs> uh, Dale Handyside was asking, during your time living in the city of Carlisle, where were some of your favourite places to go? Uh, did you maybe have like a place that you go for a walk or maybe a favourite pub or something like that? No, not really. Uh, <laughs> what were you doing? <laughs> just when we finished training, we just kind of, I just kind of messed about about the stadium, and yeah. then just went home, and then and then just just went home. See, I never, I never, I can't, I can't even remember because I stayed outside. I st- I stayed, I stayed kind of over the border, but when we stayed down, I can't even remember where the 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 flats were. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, but, the stories uh, flats were they? But the next to the the Royal Mail building. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Dixon's that's chimney. Next, yeah, next yeah, they're nice then. <laughs> so, the, the he had nice ones there, but I can always mind one he gave. Can you mind Kevin Harper signed on one from Stoke? Uh-huh. Yeah, boy, he gave him a flat, and I mean, we stayed there one night. And it was absolutely unbelievable. And we're saying, how have you managed to get this flat? Harper was a just unit. Yeah. <laughs> But nah, when I stayed in the hotel, never really went out either. Never just went about the town, just to say going wandering about up the train station, wandered just just about. But when you think back, it was we were always just doing something. There's a lot, a lot of games. So nah, I can't really say. I think that in all the times I was there, I think I'll have two nights out there as well. No, I mean, I, we had 
we had Jason Price on recently and he talked us through his footballer's schedule, which is pretty much training followed I'm, by I understand, but gaming. <laughs> okay, yeah, fair dues. Yeah, yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we did get relegated with Pricey around. Uh, you know. <laughs> no, that does make sense. That does miss it. I'm moving swiftly on away from that one then. Uh, Nathan Linney was asking, uh, when you went away for the Ibiza pre-season tournament, who did you share a room with? And is there a story that maybe you could tell us that you remember about the Ibiza tournament, something funny from the pre-season tournament? Right. I'm sure it was Glenn Murray. Yeah. I'm sure. I, I'm sure. I'm sure it was Glenn. Ah, I'm sure it was Glenn Murray because you don't have a regular person. Shared, yeah, yeah, he was my roommate. Yeah. Yeah. So it was Glenn. Stories. No, because do you know what? It was a. I did fear. Because we stayed in the, can't mean the name of the hotel, but it was right next to Cafe Mambo. No, 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 Cafe the Sunset Bar or something. Mm-hmm. But we were never allowed out. We weren't allowed out at all. Uh, we got allowed out in the last night for three hours. So there was nothing. We would train in the morning, then we would train in the afternoon. And we were allowed a bit of downtime. But even when there was games at night, we would train in the morning as well. So we were never, we weren't allowed out to do anything there. So stories-wise, nah, there's obviously, a, I think there were a couple of days we were allowed a wee bit of time down on the, on the beach, but there was nothing, nothing crazy. We weren't allowed to drink, we weren't allowed to do anything like that. So it was kind of very, because obviously it was still pre-season and the games, to be fair, it was, it was very warm and I, and I always, mind it. It was, it was a good wee tournament. It was a strange tournament, thinking all the way to Ibiza in San Antonio for a tournament in the middle of July. You couldn't have thought anything worse for a footballer, could you? <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. It was it was good. It was it was it was it was interesting to put it that way. Was there a good bit of when, when you're when you're out swimming in the sea in the morning and the spoke still partying next to you. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was interesting. I always okay. mind there was once we were we were sitting swimming in the sea. I think we played the night before and we were swimming in the sea. And if I can recall, there was there was a group of people still partying at the beach with music blaring, and you're saying to yourself, Wow, we are actually training here and they're partying. That was Scumthorpe. That was the Scumthorpe lads. That's what, that was the, that's well, that could have been Neymar, <laughs> I could have been Neymar, but nah, Neil, Mac, Neil, Mac, Neil, Mac, Neil McDonald never let us out. That's it. I mean, you did you did mention on the last podcast that he didn't want to go. It wasn't his obligation. It was something Simpson set up before Neil McDonald came in. So it does make sense. He, he was strict while he was out there. It does make sense. Yeah. Um, I don't. Well, he just came in as the manager. He just he just came in as manager as well. So he, he's got to set down a marker. He's got to set down. You know, if you come in and then you see it as a jolly, you know, you're obviously it's party preseason. It's party the season ahead let's let's say so it's getting into good good habits yeah um adam teasdale asked uh, if you had your time again uh would you have signed for chester and he also has a follow-up little question uh which was did you ever get a phone call from celtic nation yes to the certain question okay okay to the the certain question i did get asked about celtic nation yep 
I went and played. I went and played a couple of games that were up in Scotland because it was Willie McStay that was taking it, and it wasn't for me. No. <laughs> no. I kind of, I kind of knew the. I kind of knew the outcome. Yeah, just we have them and you hear them and you kind of know. Uh, would I have sent for Chester? No, no, I wouldn't have. Nah, if, if you gave me the chance, the opportunity again, no, nah, nah, nah. Fair listen, enough. I say, I say, I say, I mean, Bournemouth was good and I say it was an unbelievable time in, in my life, but Kaleo. They two seasons, listen, the, under Neil McDonald, as much as I didn't play as much, it was still a great club to be around. It was still the same bunch of lads, maybe one or two, uh, extra different players, different personalities. Your Danny Graham's of the world coming in, Paul Thurwell and that coming in, but still a good bunch of boys. Did you, you, know did you ever get to the stage with Chester where they told you how much money that you were going to be on or anything like that? Yeah. Did you ever, did you, yeah. Did you, yeah, so you heard yeah. all that all that conversation oh, as well, yeah? Okay, I, I, I just wanted the, to ask. I got, I, got, I got to the stage where Carlisle had accepted a bid uh-huh. and the wages and all that had been discussed and I just, as I said to you before, I think we've played and that's one only time Fred looked a bit disappointed in me when I've turned it down. <laughs> but it just, it just felt, it just didn't feel right. It just didn't feel, just maybe one or two things. It just didn't, didn't feel right. And then even then, I don't know. Obviously, you can never say never, but it was, it was the right decision. It was the right decision to make at the time, you know, because we. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if we, Kaleo had maybe if we could if the club could have went any further than where it was, but uh, no, it was, I would. I wouldn't have signed for. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have signed for Chester now. Nah. <laughs> Good. Daddy Livesey might have, but you wouldn't have. On Simon Grand, but you didn't. <laughs> um, Liam Peacock wants to know where did you do your training badges? Different now, isn't it, Danny. Mm. It's still there now, yeah. My my coaching badges, uh done my B done my B at where was it? Still in university and the A license I have done mine at it's here at Watt University, which is where all the, the SFA coaching badges are done now up in here at Watt University. Oh okay. Where Harps is. Was there anyone recognizable in the class other than yourself? <laughs> and mine? Yeah. Who done the license for me? James McFadden done it with me. Oh, Charlie cool. Adam done it. Charlie Adam done it with me. Darn Darn a day, done it with me. Oh no, what's his name? He played with Khalil as well. Oh no. Oh my days. <laughs> Scotsman. Yeah, you'll remember him. It came from Falkirk, I'm sure. Uh, Richie Foreign. Who? Richie Foreign. Nope, but she's Irish. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> Rory Loy. Left side. Roy I. Rory Loy. He done mm. it with me. Uh, any other bigger names? Any other bigger names? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. It was James. It was. 
that's all I can remember the now. But uh, they, they were in my actual section. Like, uh, they boys were in my section because when you go and do your licenses, there's so many people on the on the course, so you get split up into three groups. So Charlie, James, they were all marking a down the day. They were all in marking a uh, section. Wallow Flood, I mean Wallow Flood, who played in Man City. Yeah, yeah. Wallow Flood was there. So uh, listen, it's they're, they're they're good courses. So hopefully, you can get something out of it. You can plug this. Maybe get me a, a job at Carlisle. I'm know? trying. <laughs> I'm trying. I'll I'll push you in Penrith if I need to, mate. I'll get you a job. <laughs> uh, I've got here. Listen. It's a good start. If there's a manager's job there at Penrith, I'll come down, no problem. Absolutely. It's a good setup down there. Uh, do you have another 10 minutes, Derek? Are you all right? Listen, as long as you like, don't worry about it. Oh, thank you so much, mate. Until, until you get bored. Until you get bored. <laughs> I'll keep you going, mate. It'll be dark outside. We'll be talking in bed. <laughs> right. Following on, following on from the uh, the management badges question, there, um, you've just obviously already said that you're planning on uh, going back into management when when the possibility and the opportunity comes along. What what's that like? How do you look for management jobs? How far are you willing to travel for jobs? Does it depend on where the club is in terms of league stature to how far distance you're willing to travel? How does it work in in your brain? How do you figure it out? I just think it's got to be right. Uh-huh. You know, it's got to be right. You've got to get a good feel for it. It's got to be right for yourself. It's also got to be right for the club. Uh, Distance-wise, again, obviously, it's got to be right for the family. You know, financially, you would say, depending on where you're going, you know, obviously, there's, there's ceilings to different clubs that they can give you. But, no, it's just all about the opportunity. If you get the opportunity, then hopefully you can take the opportunity and you can and you can rise and and just grow. You know, it's it's all about being given the opportunity and hopefully whether it's getting in as a, a coach, an assistant manager or a manager, then yeah, it'd be it would be ideal to 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 get that opportunity. Because some- especially especially when you say things like Penrith and things like that but someone like myself you would like to think you could bring a great obviously you've played with Carlisle so so you know the area the area is obviously it's in and around there and you can bring a lot of experience and I think experience as a player stands in good good stead because you know a dressing room you know you know what it's like Myself, a winning dressing room, a winning mentality dressing room where you've won league championships, you know what it's like to go the distance. You take different bits from managers that you have learned from, Samo, Neil McDonald, Shauna, Shauna Driscoll. So I think, uh, but again, back to what you're saying, I think you've got, it's got to fit. Everything else is, is irrelevant, but it's got to be good for both, both parties. It's okay saying, one the club want you, but if it might not be right for yourself for one reason or another, it might not be footballing, it might be where it is or something. But it's I'm open to all offers. <laughs> what sort of what sort of style of football is your is do you like to employ when you're in a team? What's your what's your style of management or tactics? For me myself, obviously we're playing a striker. You like to play attacking foot football. You know, because obviously being a striker, you like to you like to obviously attack and score goals, and but you've got to be cautious as well. So 
I like to exciting football, and I suppose everybody's the same. They want to bring in, they want to be like the, the Barcelona's of the world, the Man City's of the world. But I think you've got to play to your players' strengths. You know, you might might not have the type of players that, like, when you say I played with Carlisle, their strengths, although we were good at past and that, but the ball gets played up front. If the ball, we had that option playing the ball long because of someone like myself or someone like Glenn or you know even Bridget was decent in the air although he was technically very 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 good so I think it all depends on the players you've got until you maybe bring in your own players yeah. that you see is your type of way of playing but again another side of it as well is the way you play or the way you want to play might not win you games so you might need to play a certain way to win your games and I think that's what the game's all about, isn't it? Winning, winning football matches. And if you're winning, then I think you would keep, <laughs> I would say 90% of your fan base happy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think many people complain about winning. Uh, I've, the last question from one of the listeners comes from Chris Graham. He is asking, who was the best player you have ever seen in a Carla United shirt? Me, yeah, good, good, yeah, good, good answer. No, 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 <laughs> no. I've seen it, I've seen player. I mean, define, define best player. When I, when I played, geez, you know, they were all good. As I said to you, Bridget was, was technically good, Lummy was good. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to separate one from one person from a group of lads who were who were very, very, very good, I would say, you know. So I mean, they all had that they all had their attributes as well. If you ask certain people certain questions, like I think Peter Murphy would say himself. Yeah. <laughs> Murphy's uh Lummy would say self. Yeah. So but no I <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't individually pick someone out, if you know what I mean. They were all, all good, good boys. Yeah, I, feel, I feel like a lot of the listeners' questions have been very decisive questions. The sort of questions that I like to try and avoid when I'm doing an interview, but they seem to like to try and pin pin the footballers down to certain, you know, making them decide between certain people there. <laughs> well, it's, like when you, it's, it's, like, it's like when you talk to kids, they just want to know how much money you have. Really? <laughs> yeah. uh, any qu- any questions and they turn around and say, How much do you make? And, he's, and, no, and that's awkward, you know. They're not shy. You know, and, you know. And we had to do that every Tuesday. We were at Carlisle, we had to go to schools. Yeah, yeah, you were very good in the community, the Carlisle United team. They did the fan days, and that's where I, that's where I would have you won't remember it, but that's where I met you for the first time. Was was at a fan day? We got a picture. I can't remember that picture. No, I'm good. I, can't I mean, remember that picture. You would have done a hundred that day. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Chris, Chris Chris Billy just didn't want to turn his turn his back either. He was nervous that something was happening behind him in the picture. I think <laughs> he kept giving us looks. Uh, the club were the, the, the club were very good for in and around. The, I'll, I'll give them that. As I say, every every Monday or maybe I, I don't know every Wednesday whenever we were in, there was a sheet went up. And we were told which schools we had to go to on a Tuesday after training. So they were good that way. And, I think they gave tickets out to the schools as well and things like that. So I think, I think, I don't know if they still do anything like that, but 
no, at that time when I was there, it was uh, they were they were they were very good. I have to ask you now because if I didn't, there would be a hundred comments in the comments section. Uh, yeah. What's the latest update on the reunion, Chris Lumpston WhatsApp group? Has it gone quiet? Has Chrissy has Lummy dropped the ball there, or is there any more information? No. Well. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That is it. And you'll have to tune in for next week's episode, which will be the completed trilogy of Derek Holmes interviews. You'll get the answer to that question, as well as many more, a full hour with Derek Holmes. Okay, thanks very much for listening this week. This week's Loud and Local is a repeater. It's uh, Nat Dempsey again with his song Hearsay again. And uh, it's because it's out this week. So, uh, Go out and download that song and support your local artists. So this is Nat Dempsey and Hearsay. Red sky at night, the sun is a new surprise. You look up to the future, but you might see the past. special place you think now you took me so far I'm not even thinking of where I'm at just dreams of a car we're falling into each other's screens screens I've ever seen see you as a daydream and I see you as a friend but when this kicks in I don't think I'll trust you kind Too hard and I'll finally digress Next thing you know It's taking hold You're feeling far from your best Run away from home Far away from here To whatever special place You're thinking of You took me so far days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.